You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Jessie Stevens. I'm Mia Friedman. I'm Holly Wainwright. And on the show today, Prince Harry has a day job. We need to fill him in on some office etiquette. Also, what is brain octane oil and why is it part of Orlando Bloom's morning routine? It's the best story of the week. If you're looking for some light relief, we are here for you. But Mia, look, three times a week we have a meeting to plan this show. And as you would know, out louders, and for those who are new to the show, our filter for the topics that we discuss is really simple. It's what women are talking about. So we cover the serious, we cover the superficial. Today's show is a good example. If women are talking about it, so are we. But for what feels like the last, I don't know, 100 shows, we've led the show with the topic of sexual assault and the poor treatment of women. And we're just sick of it. We're just sick of it. We are not sick that women are talking about it and some men, but we are sick of nothing changing. We're sick of having to walk into this studio three times a week and talk about some new disgusting, demeaning, demoralising thing that has happened to women. We have had a gutful and we suspect that you have too. So what the hell do we do? Because in some ways talking about it is a good thing because what do they say about sunlight being the best disinfectant. But do you know what else they say? They say that doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different outcome is the definition of insanity. And I reckon I can speak for many of us when I say that we feel like we are going insane because we keep talking about it and nothing changes. We talk about it every time a woman is killed or raped as she tries to walk home or go for a run or go to work in Parliament House. And I mean, even since our last show, which was less than 48 hours ago, here's just a little rundown of what's happened. A security guard who was working at Parliament House on the night Brittany Higgins was raped has told Four Corners that there was no security breach that night and that she saw Brittany naked and unconscious after the man that she'd arrived with left the building in a hurry and acting weird. Footage from a Facebook group leaked to Channel 10 of male coalition staffers masturbating onto the desk of a female MP and it was also revealed that sex workers had been called to Parliament House to have sex with people in the building. Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, seemed to finally get that this was not a political crisis like when he was in Hawaii during the bushfires and that it wouldn't blow over but rather it was a massive cultural reckoning and he had a press conference yesterday where he got emotional and he said this. Criticise me if you like for speaking about my daughters, that they are the centre of my life. My wife is the centre of my life. My mother, my widowed mother, is the centre of my life. They motivate me every day on this issue. They have motivated me my entire life. They have taught me the values and the faith that sustains me every single day in this job which is why I'm here. I owe them everything. He then completely bizarrely answered a question about the conduct of parliamentary staff by attacking the journalist who asked it. Listen to this. Right now, you'd be aware in your own organisation that there is a person who has had a complaint made against them for harassment of a woman in a women's toilet. And that matter is being pursued by your own HR department. So, well, you're not aware of it. So let's not, all of us who sit in glass houses here, start getting into that. 
My workplace isn't a sewer. Your workplace is a sewer. Except it's not. The media organisation he was referring to is News Limited, who weirdly are usually pretty sympathetic to the coalition. So I don't know why he went after them. But also it made no sense and it turned out to be untrue. Last night, Scott Morrison apologised on Facebook and agreed that he should never have said it. And my God, will someone (laughs) please wake me when this nightmare is over? Look, there is more that's happened since that even, which is that a... Like since we walked into the studio. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much in the last 15 minutes, Sue Hickey, who's an MP, has come out and retold a conversation that she had with Erica Betts, who who people might know. He is also an... He's a senator. He is a senator. He's a very, very senior senator. She had a chat with him about... Firstly, she asked him if it was Christian Porter, who some of the allegations about the historic rape case, if it pertain to Christian Porter and he said yes it was but don't worry this is a quote don't worry she's dead and the law will protect him (gasps) and then she brought up the case of Brittany Higgins and Erica Betts responded by saying that anybody so disgustingly drunk would sleep with anybody (gasps) and basically suggested that she was a real worry because of how drunk she was, put all of the onus on her, and that was how flippantly and how oh my God, that's just... horrifically he was discussing these two cases that have caused so awesome. much pain to, to so many people. So that's just the latest. I'm sure there will be more by the time this episode drops. I can't. I can't. I think what one of the things we're seeing is the beginning of the end of a work-hard, play-hard culture that obviously is very prevalent in Canberra with that kind of what goes on tour stays on tour element to it. But I don't think it's only there. I think it's in lots of traditional male-dominated workplace cultures, Mm. media companies, medicine, stockbroking, sport, I think we could all Mm. acknowledge. It's been so ingrained for so long, this kind of master of the universe thing, and I think we're beginning to see that dismantled. But I'm going to bring a little bit of hope to the hellscape. Because Tanya, Tanya Plibersek, Mm. now... We are sick of talking and talking about the same things, but what we're always trying to do is find some positive solutions. And Tanya Plibersek, who is a very senior, obviously, Labour MP and the Shadow Minister for Women, came into Mamma Mia last Friday and did No Filter with Mia. Now you can listen to that. Go and listen to that. It's great. She's just a pleasure to listen to, a very human, very smart woman. But it's this particular part that I think, to me at least, offers the kind of tangible steps we have to make. Listen to Tanya on No Filter With Mia talk about quotas. 1994, when we first introduced affirmative action, we and the Liberal Party were around about 14% each Mm -hmm. female representation. We were a bit more, they were a bit less, but around Around. about 14%. When I went into the parliament in 1998, we were a bit more than a quarter and they were a bit less than a quarter. We are now almost half Mm -hmm. and they're still at a quarter. Yeah. So it really focuses the mind. I think what affirmative action, targets, quotas, whatever do, it's very rare that you need to rely on the rules. And in fact, in the Labor Party, mostly there's no intervention that ensures affirmative action. It's just that people are thinking about it all the time. It's yeah. it's like a, a value that is articulated by this organisation that we want to get to equality. If one person says the word merit... I know. I'm going to lose my mind. Well, I would like to know the merit of the men who have been masturbating onto desks during work hours. Annabelle Crabb had that brilliant tweet, which basically said, 
we're all very busy and I'm very curious, do these men not have enough to do? If you're able to be calling a sex worker into your prayer room, do you not have enough on your list to sustain you? Because if not, then I've got some things I could add to the list of maybe policies or just general things that the Australian public would like from you. Some anti-sexual harassment training. Yeah, that would be a really nice thing to do. And women are bloody – it's not just women though. I'm thinking about – the honest Australians who are going to work every day, whether they're nurses or teachers or running a small business or they're labourers, they don't have time to be booking a sex worker or going to someone's desk and doing something revolting on it. Like they just appear to not have enough work. I was talking to a friend of mine last week about quotas because I believe that getting more women in parliament, but not just as MPs, but in all the positions, Mm. is what is really crucially going to shift this culture. And Tanya made the point that, you know, Labor started at a quarter and Liberals started at a quarter when that legislation was introduced. Now Labor's up to almost half and Liberals still on a quarter. And even the Prime Minister said yesterday, it hasn't worked, it's time to consider quotas. But my friend who's a similar age to me and has quite a fancy job. And she she said, oh, I don't know, Holly. She's like, I'd hate to think that I'd got (gasps) a job because I'm a woman. This makes me so mad. No, I I was like, well, no, but what I said to her is I said, what you mean as opposed to the fact that your dad knew their dad or you Mm -hmm. went to school with them or they reminded of you when you were younger or they told you a joke in the interview that you thought was funny or you bonded over a football team or you used to work with someone who used to work with them and they told you they were quite – there are a million – reasons why people get the jobs that they get and we can't also ignore the systemic nature of that when it comes to the the school tie club when it comes to racial prejudices that we might not even be necessarily be aware of all the time there are a million reasons why people get the jobs that they get so putting people as tanya said in front of you and going this is affirmative action we don't have to implement it that often but you need to be thinking all the time to work against prejudices People don't get their jobs on merit most of the time in this kind of business. If you're looking at the people who are working there and who are in these positions of power from Erica Betts to these staffers, look at what they think of women. So when they're looking to hire someone, it's not an even playing field because the people who are there are so clueless about women and have such repugnant attitudes towards them, not all of them, and this idea of, of of merit, do you know, particularly in Parliament, this makes me absolutely livid, do you know how many quotas there are for factions? You can only have this many people from the left faction on both sides, mm-hmm. and Labor and Liberal. You've got to have this many from the left faction. You've got to have this many from the right faction on both sides. So there are already unofficial quotas to make sure even, you know, with the, the in the coalition, a certain number of Liberals and a certain number of Nationals. There are so many examples of where quotas are implemented already. But, oh, no, when it comes to gender, nope, nope, it's got to be merit. They're just not smart enough, those ladies. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us. Come on, tell us. Tell us where you're listening. Hello, this is Lisa from Germany. My Aussie friends recommended me your podcast, so now I'm catching up on all your episodes. You light up my days in these difficult times and put a smile on my face whenever I'm listening. Thank you so much. We'll be back in a moment. Look, we're all about light and shade here at Mamma Mia, which we were just talking about, and there's another... A sizable concern that I know I'm not alone in having that I wanted to bring to the table. Because someone is about to have a really rough day, and that person is Prince Harry, who at the age of 36 has just got his first full-time office job. 
His official title, which we all know are just a whole bunch of words that actually don't make sense, and this is a great example, is Chief Impact Officer of BetterUp, which is a San Francisco-based firm that provides employee coaching and mental health assistance. What does that mean? Any of that. There's so many words you just said and none of them... Well, maybe you'd like to hear what his role will involve. Please. So his job description has a few points. The first is that it will be driving advocacy and awareness for mental fitness, <laughs> diversifying BetterUp's community of coaches and customers through strategic planning, among other things. And with all due respect, there is absolutely no way Harry knows how to do any of this. He wouldn't know how to use an Excel spreadsheet. Mm-mm. He wouldn't know how to use email. It's going to be very overwhelming. And there are 300 people who work for this company and something tells me that they're looking very forward to the Christmas party and that this year partners are invited because I think some people want to meet Megan. Now, I wanted to talk to you both about my concerns for Harry because he's just going to get very overwhelmed. There's going to be communal toilets in the office and sometimes they get blocked and then we get an email reminding us what can and can't be flushed down the toilet. Sometimes the toilet paper runs out. Exactly. And what's he going to do? He can't. He won't know. People aren't going to bow to him. They're not going to call him. What's his name? Dutch. (laughs) The Duke of Sussex. Duke of of Sussex. They're not going to do that. And can you imagine the onboarding process? Like what's his typing speed? I would like to know because I don't think it would be very fast. Does he know what an org chart is? And will Mm. he have weekly meetings with his manager? KPIs. It's going to be Keep really stressful. Indicators, what are they going to be? Mia, you're a business owner. Mm. Would you hire Prince Harry? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Very good for brand. <laughs> Very good for but brand. But what would he bring? I just feel like he's... he's the a- attention <laughs> to the brand that none of us had ever heard of before this segment. Uh, I still don't know what they do. No. But if they wanted to have a meeting, I'd attend. <laughs> How about you, Holly? Are you worried I just for Prince Harry? I am because I think that I'd kind of kidded myself that the younger, in inverted commas, generation of the royal family lived slightly more normal lives. But when Meghan said in the interview with Oprah that she, when she married into that family, she got her passport taken away. She didn't have keys to her house or her car or a driver's license. It suddenly opens that little door We'll be talking about this in a moment with another kind of celebrity, but it opens that little door into, oh, they really do live very different lives. And I'm just imagining one of the reasons Harry must be so happy that his life has taken the turn it has since he's met Meghan is he's in his beautiful home in California and, you know, he gets to push a button on the coffee machine and coffee comes out and he's like, I did that. You know, like all his life. His dad famously has someone who squeezes the toothpaste onto his toothbrush. It's like So imagine the excitement of like, I can do things. I can walk out of the house. It's like when you get your driver's license and you go straight through Macca's drive-thru and you're like, this is freedom. This is what freedom tastes and smells like. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Every day must be like that for Harry. So yes, I think it would be very strange for Harry to be having this. It's when it's says diversifying the coaches like does that mean recruitment does he have to go out and find the new coaches for the mental health plan and wine and dine people and and say like would you like to come and work here we have really neat offices (laughs) like I don't I just I love it I love it bless Harry as Charlotte began her new career as a professional husband hunter Miranda returned home to now it's in a very similar vein actually now that we've sorted out what Prince Harry's doing with his time (laughs) 
We need to talk about someone else who's been very specific about what he's doing with his time and that's Orlando Bloom. I've heard about this but I don't know the details of this story. Are we all familiar with who Orlando Bloom mm. is? He, Remember those photos? I shouldn't say I this know. because they, they were, were paparazzi and they were bad. Yes. Was he naked, naked on a, a paddle board? Yeah. We all know up. what photos we're talking yeah. about. He's naked. We? He's completely naked. <laughs> so he is a movie star, Pirates of the Caribbean. One place you might have seen Orlando Bloom over the years. He used to be married to Miranda Kerr. He is now engaged to Katy Perry. He's British, which makes this even more disappointing, to Mm. be honest, what's happened now. So he has shared his typical daily routine with the Sunday Times. Now, the Sunday Times fancy British broadsheet has a glossy magazine that comes out on Sunday, obviously, Sunday Times. And on the back page, there's always a day in the life of someone. And you know how these things work. They are interviewed about what they do and then the journalist puts it together to make it seem like one long conversation. Mm. It's heaven. Do you remember that time when Pete Evans talked about activated almonds and that was the beginning of the end? Yeah. It's like that. So he they have a seven month old daughter, Daisy, he and Katy Perry. And the first thing he does is he spends some time connecting with her. Eye gazing. Yeah, eye gazing. So he goes and he goes in to kiss Daisy. Hello. She's cooing in her cot. Katie likes to sleep in. Mm. She's a rock star. Exactly. Orlando goes and coos at Daisy. But then he's very busy because he's got to do twenty minutes of Buddhist chanting and I am not denigrating Buddhist chanting. He has been a Buddhist for a long time, but then he shares a bit of Buddhism on his Instagram stories immediately afterwards every day. He makes sure he does that. <laughs> content. But then, make the content. If Katie is trying to have a sleep in and he's in the next room Buddhist chanting, how yeah. pissed off would you be if you'd been up with that baby who is seven months old all night? I don't think that's what's happening. I wonder who looks after the baby while he's doing the chanting. You know, that's not acknowledged. But. I like to earn my breakfast, says Orlando, so I'll just have some green powders that I mixed with brain octane oil. That's got everybody very excited. <laughs> A collagen powder for my hair and nails and some protein. It's quite LA, really. Yes, Orlando, it you is reckon? very <laughs> LA. Brain octane oil, I looked up. It's kind of like an alternative to coffee. It's very keto. It's all about allegedly firing your brain on healthy fats. Do Mayor and I need it with our (laughs) brain issues? Definitely. (gasps) This is why Orlando is better than us. Uh, Then he goes for a hike and listens to some Nirvana because he wants to get himself firing. He doesn't really eat meat except every now and again because sometimes I look at a cow and I think that's the most beautiful thing ever. In his defence, I, I think really like cows. I, I think too. they're cute too, and they're underrated. Just don't say that out loud because then he also what, says that he sometimes some... he has a good steak. It's like, well. Oh. But does he see the cows on his hike? Like what's <laughs> that, What's that? how's that related? How often exactly? does he come face to face with a cow? Yeah. Do some eye gazing with a cow? So his job, not unlike Prince Harry's these days, is he has an exclusive deal with Amazon and so he says that this is what he does he says it feels so mean (laughs) I can't help it he says I now have a deal with Amazon where I work on projects exclusively for them so I spend a lot of my time dreaming about roles for myself and others for minorities and women I'm trying to be a voice for everybody oh that's a nice thing to say but that's what he does with his day as he daydreams about his parts he says that he splits the other child he has, Flynn, with Miranda Kerr 50-50. So sometimes he's around, sometimes he's not. Sometimes he cooks, but there's a team of people to take care of that. He's most interested in whether or not his sleep, his smart sleep ring, mm. is happy with how much sleep he's had any he particular He needs to get night. eight hours. He has to, so he makes sure he's always in bed before 11. And he just basically makes his life sound very nice. He also <laughs> said that he, before... 
he used to give a lot of his time to others, but now he's had to be more mindful of his time and ensuring that he does give himself enough time. Mm. And with all due respect, he's a Hollywood actor. How much time was he ever giving to anyone except Mm. himself? Like with all these Buddhist chanting and hiking, he doesn't have a job. Like that's not a job. He's like, I have to watch documentaries for work. What? No, you don't. That's just watching movies all day. He gets up, he does a bit of exercise and he watches movies. And thinks about roles for himself but also women and minorities. It's very important that he's thinking about that. I think one of the things that everybody loses their mind about this kind of thing is we like to kid ourselves in the age of social media that stars are just like us and then and we demand authenticity from them. But, of course, their lives are not just like ours. Like Katy Mm. Perry is a rock star, a multi-millionaire rock star who lives exactly how she wants to live. Famously, when she was married to Russell Brand, he always refers to it as like entering a movie star life. It's a very, very different reality and you have people who do everything and you have nutritionists who tell you about things like brain octane oil that you probably don't know about if you're just working in coals and I don't think they sell it. And I think we we want them to be just like us. We want them to tell us about their lives and then when they're honest about their lives, mm. we're like, oh. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I don't think we could do that. Bless him. It's very alarming that he's British, to be honest. I think that's one of the reasons why the press is so excited about this because – it's not very British at all. In in Britain, people pride themselves on being really like, you know, I'm just an ordinary bloke. I just had some chips and a beer, you know, and yeah, Orlando isn't having chips and a beer. He's having brain octane <laughs> powder and 90% plant-based. It's like, okay. Mia, you have a recommendation to round out today's show. Did you know that there's no I in threesome? Is that just a fun fact that you're recommending? Well, it is. But it is actually a documentary that I watched last week on Binge. Which How is, did I you even hear about this? I was on Binge, which is Foxtel's like streaming service, and I just was looking for something to watch. And I thought, I'll watch this. Why? Why not? I hadn't heard anyone talk about it. And I watched it and it was I just want everyone to watch it so I can talk about it with them. It was so interesting. It's about a couple who get engaged and decide that in the year before they get married, they will open up their relationship and they will just sleep with other people. And at first they decide that he can just sleep with other men and she can just sleep with other women and then a whole bunch of stuff happens. And it's a documentary, so it really happened. And I got so interested in this show that I interviewed the filmmaker uh, and the guy, and it's going to be on No Filter next week. So I really want you to watch it out loud as before No Filter drops on Monday. It's so good. It's an exploration because I watched it on your recommendation. I'm about halfway through. But really it's an exploration of monogamy and how much it works and what it really means. I think a lot of people, especially now, are thinking, oh, is there a new model for a you know mm. a relationship or a marriage? Could it be that you, know, you sleep with other people and – blah, blah, blah. But you think about things such as jealousy and this really explores what happens and how much of a nightmare it can be and that you can start falling in love with other people. It just mm. goes on so many different it gets complicated. rabbit holes. Yes, yeah. it's brilliant. And you watch it all unfold. Um, how, how many episodes is it, Mia? It's just one. It's a documentary. Oh, so, so it's, it's one a documentary. Yeah. It's just oh, a movie. So it's cool. like about an hour. I don't know. It's not, not a big commitment. I have time for that. Yeah, it's so really good. So that's on Binge. It's on Binge. Which is like a subscription thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you can get a seven-day free trial if you don't have it and you just want to check it out and yeah. see um, if there's much on there you like. But it's great. I'm throwing in a cheeky recommendation for something that I'm on, which is this glorious mess, which I host every week with Andrew Dado. You know, 
This isn't the episode that I'm throwing to, but we have just recorded our 300th episode of that oh show. Congratulations. And we did a roundtable with Lee and Tegan who host the little kids version. And you we did, guys are iconic. The four of us did like a, an exchange of that. That's coming up. But that isn't actually my recommendation, just to be confusing. What Andrew and I did talk about last Friday was half-assed parenting, which as anyone who listens to this show would assume and be correct in assuming, I am a fan of. Same. There is a book written by a very clever woman, Susie O'Brien, called Half-Assed Parenting, and it's all about trying that little bit less hard. Here's Susie talking about it. You know, I think we're just trying too hard to do too much and we're comparing ourselves to everyone else and their perfect lives, their showreel life on social media. And, you know, I think it's too much. We're actually, one of the things that I've spent a lot of time writing about parenting um, for newspapers and we are doing much more work than our parents did on the whole. Not always, but on the whole. Definitely. More they time. did nothing. They did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and we're also putting our hands up, you know, to do, to volunteer at the school and be on this committee and turn up to the basketball and be a ref and all the rest of it. And we don't have time to do the things that are actually important to us. I mean, a lot of mums in particular say they don't have time to have a bubble bath, let alone a glass of wine with a friend. Mm. And so what we are doing is cutting out on that social life. And in some people are actually cutting out like less work. They're leaving work early to take the kids to gymnastics. My parents would never have no, done that. No, it's true. No, would We would have fit it into them. That is on This Glorious Mess, which you will find in your feed. This Glorious Mess, big kids. Thank you for listening to Mama Mia Out Loud. This episode was produced by Emma Gillespie. The executive producer of Mama Mia Out Loud is Eliza Ratliff. We'll see you on Mama Mia. Bye. Bye. Mama Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.